Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shape metal. Please visit us on our website at www.themetalpit.org. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Metal Pit and on YouTube at The Metal Pit 666. And if you want to email us at podcast at themetalpit.org and you can make any comments or maybe album suggestions or questions on why would we say this about that or whatever <laughs> i am your host blake and i run the metal pit website and today two two of my guests are two of my writers and they've been on at least three episodes before i have jim and kenneth how are you guys today awesome. good sir yeah we're all good good and uh yes and so since you've both been on a few episodes, like I just said, we're just going to get right to it. Cool. And now we're <laughs> the band we're going to talk about, we have already did three of their albums, episodes three of their albums. And this one, oh, I'm sorry. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest metal band in history, of course, is Metallica. And we've already discussed Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and then Justice for All. So we thought, well, we better go back and do the first one, which started it all. So we're going to talk about Kill Em All. Released on July 25th, 1983 on Megaforce Records, we just passed a couple of weeks ago the 40th anniversary of this album, which is hard to believe. <laughs> uh, this is arguably the first thrash metal album ever. At least I would say that. Yep. And it really changed metal and the way, well, you know, all the uh, thrash metal that came after it. That same year, I would say there was only two other thrash albums that year. We had Slayer's debut, Show No Mercy, and Canada's Exciter with their debut album, Heavy Metal Maniac. And... I have an example of how these albums and bands influenced many other bands. And I was actually just watching a Cannibal Corpse documentary of the death metal band Cannibal Corpse. And they were saying what bands they were listening to. And they mentioned those three bands, Metallica, Slayer, and, and Exciter. <laughs> so obviously that's where they went. They just went for a different kind of singing, obviously, than you have with these thrash metal bands. Because I guess kind of that's what death metal is, right? Thrash metal, but with guttural vocals instead. More or less. I mean, the lyrics, of course, too. But <laughs> anyway, so back to So Kill Em All. Uh, originally, they were going to name the album Metal Up Your Ass, but were convinced to not call it that because they didn't think that would sell so well. <laughs> well, maybe they didn't know it would sell so well anyway, because they did change everything. So on this album, we got the vocals, then guitar, of course, James Hetfield, lead guitar of Kirk Hammett bass of Cliff Burton, who of course passed away, and drummer Lars Ulrich. And let's see, before the recording of this album, Dave Mustaine, of course, who is now in Megadeth and left to be in Megadeth after he was fired for whatever, drugs, alcohol, I guess, is the main reasons they say. But he does have writing credits on four of the songs on this album. Uh, there is so much more I could say as a bio about this, but, you know, everybody knows who Metallica is, so we're just going to talk about it. But first, we're going to, I'm going to ask Ken, neither one of you, I've been on every podcast about Metallica, well, almost every podcast that we've done. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to find out how you first either heard Metallica or heard the Kill Em All album. So Ken, I'll let you go first. Uh, well, for me, um it was actually after I heard um, Ride the Lightning. Then I went back to hear the first album. So Ride was first, and then I heard so much about Kill Em All. So eventually I, I got a copy of that going back. Like I'm dating myself. So because yeah, that copy way back when. <laughs> so um, when I bought that album, that, that kind of, it blew me away. The cover is what really got me on that album. I love the hammer. And I know that hammer 
is basically uh, something that uh, Cliff had. Cliff apparently the rumor was he used to carry a hammer around back in the back in in the day. Don't know why he just had he carried the hammer around. So on the back cover of that album, basically what they did was uh, he demand well he didn't demand but he asked if he could use his the hammer as the photo on the back cover. So the back cover has his hammer as well, um, from what from what I understand. And he did also name the album as well. So Cliff so Cliff pretty much said, oh, well, kill them all these bastards who, who don't understand us and it's stuck. And apparently they just, they went with that title. But that was, you know, my introduction to the band was right after uh, Ride the Lightning. And Jim, for you? Same, pretty much almost the same story. I mean, I was only 12 when this came out, but going back, I mean, I picked up Ride the Lightning, but I got this right around the same time I got it actually at believe it or not Wilco if you remember Wilco you oh, yeah. know in Canada you remember Wilco anyways they had a bargain bin of cassettes and this one was in there but it wasn't on sale and I was like oh geez you know the old bonsai <laughs> records copy I still have my OG cassette I, I bought it and it just I just like Kenneth said it blew me away I mean this album I, I like the Metallica albums up to the Black album the Black album you know I kind of changed a little bit just due to uh you know it went when they went a lot of mainstream there and i know we don't want to get into that we're talking about this one but you know the first four albums were amazing but this is my favorite metallica album it's my favorite all-time album and it's just i think half of it is the actual rawness and how fresh and new you know thrash metal essentially was uh and this just grabbed a hold of me and and i gravitated towards it and um you know and on the other half is just probably a little bit of reminiscing over the fact that i picked this up i loved it since i you know got to go through the whole just like you guys the whole metallica experience you know as a 12 13 year old and then as i grew up so i mean it's just it means that much to me and it's a killer album a lot of people say you know it's it's kind of uh you know, it's 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 their first one. It's kind of maybe a little bit uh, childish in a way, in the sense that it's uh, you know some of the songs and that. But that hey, I collect Star Wars Star Wars <laughs> figures. I have an, a vintage Star Wars collection, a whole room full of Star Wars stuff. I still buy CDs by the truckload. You can't get anybody more childish than me as a 52 year old. So this is right up my alley. So there you go. But that's that's my that's me breaking into it. So and I absolutely love it. Now, see, it might it'll be a little different, like because you guys heard Ride the Lightning first. Now, did you hear any other thrash albums besides Ride the Lightning? Did you listen to, I don't know, uh, Slayer, or whatever, before you listened to Kill 'Em All? Or no, it was Metallica first for me. Okay. Yeah, same, same here. I mean, I got I think Haunting the Chapel was probably the first Slayer tape I got, which was the little EP with some live tracks on it. Um, and then I obviously went back and got their their first album, but you know, and Exciter as well, um, probably their second or third album, and then went back and got it. But yeah, this was would be the first thrash, my first uh, you know thrash album for sure. Okay, well for me, I'm not gonna talk too much about it because I've already talked about this probably on the other three podcasts. <laughs> but for me, I'm a little, I'm a few years older than you guys, so I was 17 when this came out, and I was listening to q107 radio station in toronto and they played a heavy metal show friday night or saturday night at like midnight or something like that yeah. and the dj played hit the lights on there and that was the first time i heard this album or metallica was then so it would have been in i can't remember like if the album was out or i guess it must have been because that wasn't a single that they released from the album so it must have already been out but i just never heard anything about it until she played hit the lights on this radio station and she predicted that metallica would be huge in five years when she was pretty close <laughs> i mean they were they were huge in five years but they were huger later yeah. yeah but so yeah so i've been listening to it since this album so it's a little different for me because i don't know what i'd be like if i would have heard because ride the lightning is like my favorite metallica yeah. album so i don't know what it'd be like if i would have heard ride the lightning first and then went back to kill them all i don't know but since i heard kill them all first it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. so we're gonna start talking about the album Oh, and I do have this, I do this thing where I go to that live set list thing. And so I do have that information here. 
even though Metallica is kind of different than a lot of bands because they always mix up their songs and stuff. So they there's not because some groups there'll be a song like I just did an Arch Enemy one where they only played one song twice. <laughs> but Metallica usually plays everything sometime, somewhere. So there's nothing like that. So so we're going to start with Hit the Lights, which is which I'll just say has been played 228 times live. And also this is the fourth highest album they have where they play songs live i think the black album is probably first mm. then you got right lightning and master of puppets is probably next i believe if i read that right i lost my notes but anyway uh ken what do you think of hit the lights well any song that starts out with uh no life to leather what does that have to tell you like <laughs> after that they they get he gets it right but Obviously, that's like the reference to Leather Charm. So, of course, uh, the song's pretty, pretty strong right from the from the get go. The scream, the the fading with the guitars, and then you just it just rocks. It just doesn't stop. It doesn't let up, and it's a good song. I, I like that song quite a bit as an opener for me. And uh, Jim, oh, I mean, this is the I'm gonna you know be gushing the whole time. So you know, <laughs> I love this album, and you know what? And you said it about. Uh, not that I'm disliking at all Ride the Lightning or Massive. Those are perfect thrash albums too. It's just there's something about this album. I think it's just the innocent rawness, I, I would say, uh, that really kind of brings this album. And it's just these guys came out of nowhere with this. And I think it's great. But Hit the Lights, awesome song. As Kenneth said, you know, it's a, it's a partially a leather charm song the band Hetfield was in before, you know, he brought this to Lars kind of, I think three quarters done. And, you know, this out, al- this, uh, this song went on the Metal Massacre one uh, compilation would have been cassette or album back in the day. And I had a friend who used to go for summers down in Florida and he picked it up at a, at a, you know, you couldn't get that here in, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He picked up a tape of it and we ended up all making copies of it because it was awesome. And this was on there as well as, uh, you know, as well as uh, like even, even rats uh, song from their EP was on there as well, which was kind of shocking because it was a much, harder heavier song than uh, than what they ended up putting out uh later on but i mean you know i agree with kenneth this is awesome the first line says it all and i mean it just the, the fade in distorted guitars just it sounds amazing and it just gets you know th- this is some this is gets you going for the whole album starting off on the right foot as far as i'm concerned well then they, actually that no life to love there also was the name they had an ep yes. for demo yeah. i guess you call it sorry out before this and it was called no life till leather so i don't know if that hit the lights was on that as you said i don't know if they just added that's i guess that's where they got the name for their demo yeah <laughs> and yeah i like the song too of course like i said it's the first song i ever heard by them and uh I, think, I was thinking this, it doesn't help that you guys heard Ride the Lightning first, but it'd be fun if we could go back to 1983 and review this album right after it came out, because it was so different than everything else we had before that. <laughs> so it would True. be really interesting if we could review it then, because now we are, we are going to compare it to like Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets or Justice or whatever, or the new stuff and you know, people, if people started listening to Metallica when they heard the Black Album, they might not, they might hate this stuff because it's faster, right? Than what you get on the Black Album or Load and Reload or whatever. But we're 40 years too late. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we go to the Four Horsemen. And I'll just ask Jim first to speak about the Four Horsemen. Uh, it's a, ri- I mean, this is a wicked song. Uh, you know, it's, uh, this one must have been done a, a, a quite a bit live, probably almost every one of their shows, I would say. I mean, uh, it must be high up there on your list. Yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, uh, but yes, I mean, Mustaine, did, I'm not sure. Did he write the whole song or did he just write the guitar parts for it? Because yes, Mechanics, I believe, was a song that was originally written by Mustaine about having, I think, sex at a ga- in a gas station. So... <laughs> And it sounds when you listen to "Killing Is My Business" and "Business Is Good," mechanics. I mean, they, they sound 
you know, fairly, fairly close. And, uh, but I mean, it, it's an awesome song. Uh, you know, one of my favorite Metallica songs of all time, probably my God, if, if I had to do a top 10, a lot of them would be, I think I did do a, one of your top 10 on the, on the, la on Ride the Lightning. I, I ended up uh, writing it anyways on, the, oh. on our <laughs> website there. And I was like, ah, you know, uh, and I think you even commented and said, geez, you got half of Kill 'em All songs on there. So yeah, no, it's an amazing, amazing song. And it, uh, you know, and it's just awesome. And I think they redid the lyrics to fit. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the songs, obviously, that Dave Mustaine gets credit for. And I believe they wanted to change a lot of the guitar parts on this whole album when Kirk came in. But they kind of just had him do a lot of the original guitar parts pretty much to where it was written originally, I, I believe. Yeah. And? Yeah, this, uh, I know this is the one song that James uh, didn't like the original lyrics. Because um, I know, again, it was about sex or something with an ex-girlfriend. I remember reading that. Uh, yeah, Dave had this idea about uh, more about sex. So James went in and decided to add the four horsemen part, which is brilliant in my yeah. mind and it just gave the, the the complexity of the song a whole different meaning than what it had I, I i wonder what that original song would have sounded like if they stuck with um um with uh miss Dane's, uh lyrics but uh yeah that's that's the song is also a really really good song uh james is has an amazing raw voice and those shrieks that he that he that he has in this album are, are awesome yeah the song this song has a lot of bite it has a lot of bite yeah and this was a seven minute song which was a little bit well i guess it wasn't it wasn't that odd for metallica of course but it was i guess strange for most bands but uh oh it's been played 576 times live it's the third most played on this album so there's two other songs that were played more live uh what well, there was something else i was gonna say hmm I don't remember now. Doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, Four Horsemen. Yeah, I liked you mentioned the title. And yeah, it kind of fits the band since there's four yeah, of them. Exactly. And there they are. They're four horsemen riding into the heavy metal world with this album. <laughs> yeah. Then we go to Motor Breath. This has been played 333 times live. And this is just a short one. It's only three minutes long. And I, I'll just say a little about this song first. Now, hopefully I don't steal your thing. But... <laughs> I was always amazed when I first heard this. I mean, I can't remember. I know I have a guitar. I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I had a guitar when this came out, but I was always amazed at Kirk's solos and how fast they were. And it made me think, oh, I guess I can't play the guitar after all. <laughs> but this song, it has a really cool solo, but it's really short because it's only a three minute song. So it's a really short solo, but it's still awesome. And like all of them are awesome to me anyway. And Ken, what do you think of Motor Breath? Yeah, I like this song a lot. I mean, basically, again, James uh, dips back into Leather Charm because the song is more or less about life on the road uh, when he was in the band. And uh, the other, I know the one thing about this this song that really uh, is interesting is that it forced it forced Cliff to do a lot of fast picking because the, the tempo and the rhythm was, was just driving. So he had to really up his game as the basis on the song. But you're right, it's three minutes long. And it doesn't need to be any longer than that. And it's sharp, it's strong. And uh, it, again, it's going to kick your ass pretty much. Totally. And Jim, anything to add about it? Oh, man. I mean, you know, this is an underrated song on the album. I think it's, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, it's wicked. Again, uh, Kenneth said it, you know, with that that fast speed picking from, from uh, Cliff. I mean, he had to just put it into overdrive and those uh, you know Ulrich's drum rolls in it too are really really recognizable and cool and I think you know it, it was just it was just so neat and the, the chorus you know the riff that accompanies it is just so awesome uh, Kirk really really brings his uh, speed with it it's a fast fast song and I I absolutely love it I, I put a little story I had a tape of it and I remember I went to god I would have been a junior high dance and I conned I don't know what I traded some cigarettes or something to the uh, DJ to play it. He ended up playing it at the school dance. It was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, a lot of my, uh, a lot of the people there didn't, a lot of the other fellow uh, students and friends didn't even know what it was, but I, and he had programmed the lights to the beat. And I mean, back then everything was, you know, done fairly manually, but it was so cool. And it just shredded the whole dance. It was awesome. <laughs> 
Well, lucky for them, it was the shortest. It's the shortest song on yeah. the album. <laughs> and the funny thing on the second song, so I had this mixtape and I had put that on there. The second song was the ballad from Helix, which was uh, Make Me Do Anything You Want. And he let it play through. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, and I don't know. I must have been, you know, I'm a sensitive guy. So I throw a motor breath on there and then a nice ballad for the ladies. So, you know, what can I say? <laughs> Oh, one th another thing I did want to mention about the Four Horsemen, I have to go back again, but uh, I was on Wikipedia and I was just looking up some stuff and I and it had a link to the Four Horsemen. So I clicked on it and it goes to a page about Megadeth's mechanics. So I don't know if Dave Mustaine made up this Wikipedia page or what, but it was weird. Because <laughs> wow. I always thought I was going to read something interesting about the Four Horsemen, but instead I was reading about Megadeth's mechanics song. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so bizarre. Okay, then we go to Jump in the Fire, which probably would have been a better song for your high school dance, I would yes. think, than Motor Breath, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's a little longer. Uh, I'll let you, I want to see what you guys say about it first. Uh, Jim, it's your turn, I believe. Another great song. I mean, I think this was the first or second single. There was two singles uh, that were released yeah. off this. Yes, second. Oh. This yeah, it's the second. Yeah, and I have the twelve-inch single for it, so it's really cool. I mean, I love the uh, the the say you know the devil on the front of it, the demon. It's wicked. I mean, that's you know, it's just so cool. Yeah. And I believe this was written again by Mustaine about I think it was about sex again originally, yep. and then Headfield revised the lyrics again in order to. Uh, in order to uh, kind of do it from the song from Satan's point of view, and it doesn't have anything to do with sex. So I, I you know, I, I, again, like you guys, it would be interesting to hear the original, like what, what the heck, you know, this was sounding like, or what the actual, you know, first set of lyrics were. I'm not even familiar with them, but uh, you know, it, it's one of the, again, it's a, a top song on the album for me as well. And Ken? Yeah, Jim pretty much said it all. I mean, yeah, basically it's a teen, from what I understand, Dave wanted to write about teen sex experiences and uh, James didn't <laughs> James didn't like that. So obviously you could tell, even yeah, at that time yeah. before they kicked him out, that the two of them weren't really jiving on the lyrics. And, you know, and I, I can get that. I can I can get by that. And I, I actually prefer the uh, the whole idea of the, uh, the demon, the Satan's point of view, watching souls that he's that he's going to see down the road burn in hell or he's going to meet them down the road that's a great yeah. idea for a song for but teen sex like okay um yeah it might work but not in this context i don't think but metallica it, really has songs about sex do they no really? no think. not at all it's not their style no, no. It's not, yeah it's not their style actually they, when they i left listen that, they left oh. that for motley crew yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or ACDC, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I listen to this today, just to, even though I've listened to the album thousands of times, but just to do a refresher again today, I'm listening to it. And the song makes me think of Deep Purple Space Trucking. I don't know if anybody else ever gets that. <laughs> because even yeah, in the, yeah. the chorus, he goes, uh, oh, wait, sorry. The chorus is, where is the chorus? Oh, come on, come on, jump in the fire. And Deep Purple is, come on, let's go space trucking. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It just remind, and, it, of course, obviously, Metallic is heavier and faster than Deep Purple. But it was just a feeling. I'm sure that Deep Purple influenced Metallica, too, at one point. And yeah. I don't know. Just to me, it kind of reminds me of space trucking a little bit. <laughs> I can see that. I could, I could actually see that. Yeah. Then we go to, oh, that was played 98 times live. Just might as well say okay, it. I got cool. it wrote down. <laughs> and now, and the instrumental we got from, mostly from Cliff Burton, I guess, anyway. Anesthesia, in brackets, pulling teeth. This has been played 136 times live. I'm not sure if that was all when Cliff was in the band or if they ever played it, because I didn't look that deep into it. I'm not sure if they would have let another bass player play that or not, but anyway, uh, it's I do think it's a great lead into Whiplash because it's kind of slow and heavy and uh, has all that weird kind of stuff in it that Cliff wanted to do. Yeah, you know, Cliff being Cliff or whatever. But what do you, uh, Kenneth? What do you think of the instrumental? Well, this is the one. This is the one solo that actually they they heard it. They heard him play this in, I think, a previous band that he was in, 
and they yeah. loved that solo. They were smitten by it. And what they liked about the song was the fact that um, it had, it's a bass, but he's playing a lead and that blew them away. Plus he had his wah-wah pedal going, uh, he had heavy distortion going, he had the tapping, he had all of that in the song. So they they were really smitten by that and they wanted him to play that. And I think that's why it's been, it's been played so much for that reason. It's a really, it's, it's a cool bass, bass song, really. Yeah. Well, to- totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, uh, you know, they and he, Kenneth hit it all. I mean, they saw he was playing for trauma and they at first didn't even realize right. it was a bass. They were like, that's a bass. That's like, right. That's right. That, yeah. And he's got to get it. We got to get, you know, he's got to <laughs> get into Metallica. So, I mean, that, that it's just phenomenal. I mean, it, it's wicked. And I think, uh, you know, with Lars's drums in there, and it is a great segue into the next song, which is phenomenal. But yeah, I mean, could you imagine them going to a club seeing, I mean, anybody seeing Cliff up there just pounding away and the wah-wah pedal with the bass, and you're sitting there going, he's making that song, he's making that sound with a bass. I mean, that just shows the talent there for sure. Yeah. I think when I first heard it, I probably didn't even think it was a song. I just thought, what is this kind of just weird noises or whatever? But... (laughs) But then as you, you know, with Ride and then, uh, well, the next three albums, I guess they did have, they had longer instrumentals, but you know, they were all inspired by Cliff, especially the two that he played on, of course. I mean, but even the one on Injustice for All, you could tell they kind of did that as a homage to Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, then we go to, yes, Whiplash, (laughs) which is... Well, I'll mention on the Ride the Lightning uh, podcast episode I did. I did it with Kim, one of our writers, Kim, and photographers, I guess we'll say. And we did uh, our, top, our top 10 list then was we did the top 10 Metallica songs of all time. And we both had Whiplash as our number one Metallica song of all time, which I thought was pretty cool that we matched on there. <laughs> and so, Kenneth, how do you like Whiplash? Well, it's probably... it's arguably be one of the better songs on the album for sure and it's a crowd pleaser they play that a lot back in the day um but you know it's a basic song about headbanging that's all they need and it, and it just again it just rips it doesn't it doesn't let up and that's what i love that song it's it's um for me it's uh it's probably one of the better songs on the album in my mind jim yeah i agree i mean this is this is the anthemic this is what thrash metal is all about, you know, banging mm-hmm. your head against the stage, make it bleed, make it ring, you know, make it really sore. Yeah, it says it all. I mean, it's 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 basic, but I think that's the beauty of it, and that's the that's uh, you know the expertise in this. And you know, as as being a bit of a disgruntled Metallica fan in the future, <laughs> um, you know, I really and I know everybody argues that ah, they'll never go back to this, and I know that, but this is sort of the innocence end of it the essence of Metallica on these first four, you can even include the fifth album a bit where they're missing that, I think in today's, uh, in today's releases. And I just, I mean, I, I just, it's so basic. It's, it's, it's genius. And, and it's how basic it is. Well, they probably can't play that fast anymore. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, Jim, when you think that this song is also, cause I've heard it, people say that this is a song that pretty much kicked off thrash metal. A lot of Absolutely. people say that. Absolutely. Yeah, I've read that several times. Yeah, this is the anthem. This is thrash metal. Absolutely agree with it 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite. Well, as I said, I already said it's my favorite Metallica song of all time. But yeah, I just, I always love hearing this song. And I will note, I'll mention Motorhead won a Grammy Award in 2005 for their version of this song which I don't even know if I've ever heard before myself. No, <laughs> I just read this bad. and I hate the Grammy Awards anyway, so I don't really care, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that, I mean, Motorhead should have won a Grammy for their own songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for a Metallica song, but anyway, it was kind of weird. And one thing I did like uh, was when Jason Newstead joined the band and they would play the song live, they would let Jason sing some of the lyrics. And I always thought that was cool because I thought it's kind of the band saying to the fans that we're accepting him as the bass player. So please accept him too, because here he is singing one of our classic songs. Of course, maybe they didn't really accept him later on, but anyway, they did back then. (laughs) Yeah. 
And then we go to fan. Oh, sorry, that was also that was played. It's almost played a thousand times live. It's the second most played live on this album. Um, you could probably guess what the first one will be if you've seen them live anyway. But anyway, we'll go to side two if you have vinyl, which I did, <laughs> to Phantom Lord, which has been played 172 times. Uh, I find, oh, talking about, I mentioned vinyl. I suffered down about this. Since on side two, we got Phantom Lord, No Remorse, Seek and Destroy, Metal Militia. I feel it's like one of the best sides of a metal album yeah, in the history that. or whatever. Because it's I love every song that's on this side. And it's just something I noticed when I, because of course, of my vinyl days when you would, whatever, because you couldn't just skip a song like you can on <laughs> Spotify or whatever the hell you're listening to it on, or even on CD for that matter. So anyway, uh, Kenneth, what do you think of Phantom Lord? Well, this is a, a good song as well. Again, from my understanding, I, I believe the, the original origins that Dave actually wrote are some of the lyrics. And again, James came in and like, no, we're going to change it. And the Phantom Lord about the devil, basically the song is about, about the devil and it's like, it's another great song. I love this song. You're right, Blake. It's like, it's really strong. And just the way that uh, James sings that song. Wow. It's like with such presence and force and just, just uh, malicious intent. It's a great song uh, from start to finish. I love this song. Yeah. It, it's got, what's cool about it too. It starts off the second size from the second side from the vinyl days in just another assault. I mean, it's amazing. And it starts off with that ominous start. So it's almost kind of like putting a bit of a horror theme to a song and it's called Phantom Lord. It sounds like kind of reminds me of maybe something like John Carpenter from like maybe Hallow Halloween movies or something like that. That has that kind of droney bass kind of slag start to it and I think it's pretty cool and it just lights up and I agree with Kenneth I mean James's uh, vocals are just phenomenal in this and yeah apparently Mustaine had written uh, like you said had written uh, most of it and they, they changed it around but he's credited I think with the central riff in the song and they, they did actually didn't change that so but but it's a great song I love that song as well yeah and again, well, again, I love the guitar solos, of course, but these were really fast. I found on this song, too. Oh, I mean, they're fast on every song, I guess, but <laughs> whatever. And then we got No Remorse. And I'll just let Jim go with No Remorse. Oh, I mean, another great song. This is, I think, the third longest song on the album. It's just over six minutes. And I mean, it, it's got like that mid-tempo sound to it. And then it just accelerates towards the end of it. I mean, it's uh, it's a song about, you know, uh, no remorse during battle, during a battle, during a fight. So, and I mean, it's just, it's just phenomenal. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite ones. I always thought maybe it was a nod to Motorhead because they were such big Motorhead fans. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I, another great song and it fits perfectly. That second side, uh, like you guys said, like you said, Blake, is one of the best sides in, in thrash and maybe even metal. And that just fits right in as song number two on that side. So I, I absolutely love it. And Ken? Yeah, pretty much. Jim said it all. It's a mid-tempo song that's pretty strong. It's actually not one of my favorite songs on the album. I don't mind it. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, seven, six, seven minutes. You can't go wrong with any of these songs that Metallica did it at this point in their, in their career. So... I like yeah, I like the long songs. Like I like six minute songs, seven minute songs, or whatever. I prefer that myself. Cause uh, I did with with Jim, yeah, we did Slayer's Rain and Blood, where everybody loves that one, but I just wasn't too pleased with a minute and forty second songs and stuff. <laughs> but they were fast, but whatever. But we're not talking about Slayer. I do like a new remorse, no remorse, sorry, started with a, like a killer lead instead of just the way they start most of the songs. So that was a little different for this one. And that has been played 250 times live. And the song that has been played the most live from this album, of course, is Seek and Destroy, probably yeah. just so the crowd can sing along with it because it's easy. They only have to remember three words. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, if the live shit binge and purge live album, their first live album, of course, that was the big one on that one. And 
And I'm sure they still do that today when they play it. But it's still a great song, too, even without that stuff. (laughs) It's still a great song. And I guess this is my third favorite track on the album after Whiplash and Hit the Lights, which I like a little better. Uh, Jim, what do you think of Seek? Oh, yeah. Well, Jim, you go. (laughs) I did it wrong. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's a crowd pleaser for sure. I love the song. I mean, I love the whole album. And, and you know, uh, this the, the interesting thing about this, this album with so many great songs, this album didn't go platinum until I think like 1986. So, right. you know, when you think about it, this has been out for three years. And, you know, it, it didn't... Uh, you know, it finally, and then it got re-released, I think, in 88, where they added the two bonus tracks of the Diamond Head songs. But, you know, right. and this one flew right, right, right into there. I mean, this, if this was released, can you imagine this, this was released at the end of the 80s, like, right when thrash metal was just, just flying. Um, you know, this, this, I mean, it sold so great anyways. And yes, they, they released two other albums from them. This would have just gone gone absolutely crazy and i mean it eventually did but this song is wicked i mean it's uh i, I believe Hetfield wrote this uh, it's uh inspired by diamond's head's song uh dead reckoning dead and reckoning, i yeah. yeah and i think he wrote it like in his truck at work maybe i think on his lunch break or something so it's kind of neat for sure and i mean it has a, a great simple chorus and you know everybody who's a metallica fan or even the casual listeners probably know this song you know know the at least the chorus of the song can go to a concert and just you know uh sing along to it for sure and can yeah i was just gonna add to jim what you're saying that i think the touring because they toured so much and played that this record to death i i think that's the reason why it went platinum uh later on not at the start because uh they they pretty much played every song on this album on every tour they never deviated from the course on on that on the first album but um the one thing uh, you said like i thought was kind of funny was that the live live binge and purge i love i I always got a kick out of that of that song when they play live because they're i think they're in mexico yes believe and you're hearing like james is like just pulls pulls out the mic and just shoves in someone's face and <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. It's so funny just hearing people say, he can destroy over and over. But it just shows you how the how the song resonates with people, like especially fans during the show, for me anyways. So I think that's what makes the song so great is that they got crowd, they got the crowd involved into it. And yeah, and it's it's such a great, it's such a great crowd crowd pleaser. Yes. And uh, yeah, that was cool. And when they had the Mexican fans and, you know, some of them trying to sing because yeah. it came with VHS tapes, but I don't, did it come? I don't think it came with a video from Mexico. Did it? I forget. No. So it came with a video from Seattle and yeah. then there was another one. I can't remember, but I'm not sure if they had that on tape where you actually seen these people doing it, but yeah, that was a cool thing on that. And I do, I will talk after we talk about metal militia, I will talk about, the chart thing that you just kind of mentioned there jim but anyway we'll go to metal militia which this is the song they've played the least from this album i'm not sure why i like the song like i don't know it's just another heavy metal anthem kind of song or whatever but yeah they've only played this one 95 times live so it's the one they've played the least but ken what do you think of metal militia well it's kind of funny because this is probably the fastest song on the album for them yeah um, it's the fastest song, and it's got that like marching drive, like the um, the soldiers marching, which at the beginning, which I love that part of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's their fastest song, but they don't play it that much, which is kind of funny in the long run. But but I I dig the song. I like the song as well. I think it's a good closer. Yes, Jim. Yeah, totally. I, another underrated gem off this album. I mean, it's so fast, and again. Mustaine, I think, wrote the main riff to this one as well. And uh, but it it's so cool. I mean, the song's about metal life and it's just I mean, marching as a group. I, I love this song. And yeah, like like Kenneth said, it's a great way to end off such a great album. And uh, boy, by the time you're done listening to this, you're you're physically tired. So, I mean, you know, it just finishes you off in perfect metal form. So and, you know, we, as we were talking about this, one thought came over me as I got the album in front of me here. I'm like, there's so many anthemic, you know, massive thrash songs on this with 
Seek and Destroy with uh, the Four Horsemen with Whiplash. You know, these are just anthemic. I mean, they just they just drive that. And, and they were this was the pretty much the start of the thrash movement. And I don't think you could get an even better album than this to 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 really push this through with those. I mean, it's just uh, those anthemic uh, uh, songs are just phenomenal. So you're giving it a 10, I'm taking? <laughs> oh, yes. This is a, my favorite album of all time. It is a 10 out of 10 from me, for sure. <laughs> and Ken, what would you rate it at a 10? I, 10. I, you can't. There's right. no other There's no other rating. It's 10. That's all I can say. <laughs> for what it is, dude, I mean, come on. Like, this is the thrash engine. As far as yep. I'm concerned, this album is the thrash engine. It started thrash to me. Absolutely. So, like, it's the album that pretty much you know, inspired like a decade of, of thrash metal. So yeah, a 10. Well, I have a road down as a nine, probably because, you know, I like Ride the Lightning better. So I guess I'm thinking, well, I can't give everyone a 10. I guess I could, but yeah, sure. <laughs> but whatever. Still, sure. yeah, it's really good. <laughs> um, here, I'll just talk about, well, I'll ask about live. Now, again, like I said, I've been on a few podcasts where so I've probably talked about it, but you guys haven't talked about Metallica. So uh, Ken, have you seen Metallica live before? Lots of times. When was the oh, first yeah. time? Whatever. Hell, I've seen them so many, so many times. Um, yeah, the first time, the first time I actually went and saw them live was when they did uh, Justice. Of course, uh, they played Maple Leaf Gardens. I was there when uh, Queensrÿche opened up. I was actually on the floors, which was right. insane. I couldn't hear the next day. I went with a bunch of buddies. And on the Saturday, we were we got, we hung out, and it's like I I can't my my ears didn't stop ringing because it was <laughs> straight on the floors. And yeah, I was like six rows back on the floors, so it was it was an it was an incredible night for me to watch them to watch that them play that show live, and then you know watch the whole Lady of Justice uh, fall apart, crash on the yeah. stage. It's like wow, what a show! But I've I've seen them like six seven times already, and like like. You know, you never you never go wrong on a Metallica show, never ever. No, and Jim, I've seen them three times. I mean, we get a lot of limited shows here in the Americas, yeah. but I gotta hand it to Metallica. You know, uh, first show, same as Kenneth, saw them uh, with the Injustice tour with Queensrÿche opening, and it just blew me away. I mean, was a mega fan then, and and I have that. I, on YouTube, you can actually get the Halifax concert on there. So it, it's really, really cool. Um, and it was awesome. I saw them again in 93, I think early 93 uh, would have been the Black Album. We, yeah. I think we were on the back end of that two and a half year tour. And, you know, it was cool. They didn't have an opening band. Then they did sort of a little movie of about 10 minutes where they traveled around the city and, and showed uh, pictures of that. That was kind of cool too. And then I saw them in 2011, uh, it was a f kind of a, I think it was six bands. Uh, I saw them with Coheed and Cambria and a few other bands uh, on the, we had an outdoor concert on Citadel Hill, which is an old fort in Halifax, but they use one side of the hill where they can bring in like 30, 20, 30,000 people. So it was pretty neat. It was, it was really cool. So I've seen them the three times and uh, no, like, like Kenneth said, you know, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with a Metallica metallica show i mean they they put everything into it it is a great show and seeing the clips of uh you know the two nights they're doing which is just absolutely marketing genius um mm -hmm. in all the big cities around the globe and i know they're coming to montreal and toronto and that um you know the the no repeat concert with with uh, their um their different opening bands per night i mean you go to that and and even if you're not a fan of a lot of the newer stuff i mean it's just a great mix and they, they do play a lot of their original stuff for sure. So I, I, I agree with Kenneth that you can't go wrong with a Metallica, Metallica show. And actually it's not coming to Toronto or I would oh. be going, but it's not coming to Toronto. It is coming to Montreal and it played oh. it. I think it's already been in Edmonton, Edmonton and Montreal were the only two Canadian stops on this, but yeah, it would be really cool because they played different songs both nights. So you're going to hear yeah, I've probably seen them like 10 times. I've kind of lost count probably. But my first one was also on Justice for All tour. <laughs> and also Jason, or other writer Jason, that was also his first tour was also on Justice for All. So I guess that's when we all decided, let's go see Metallica. <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> but uh, yes, they always put on a good show. Like, I can't remember the last time I seen them. I know there was great big black 
balloons on stage so i can't remember exactly that death magnetic maybe that was the tour i can't even remember exactly it but it's like been it a few good. years since i've seen them and i don't know if i'll get the chance again or not because they're getting up there as we know as we all are <laughs> well there, there should be a second leg of the tour for toronto yeah i can't see them not not playing toronto it doesn't make sense yeah well i i as far as I know, they are, they announce the whole tour because they're going okay. everywhere, everywhere. But I mean, they they can only do certain places because sure. they're doing two in every city, and they're taking the night off between the two shows. Not like they would have did back in the eighties, where they would just play every night. <laughs> they're older, I guess. They need some rest. So, as far as I know, no, I don't think there is a second leg oh, to this wow. tour. Okay. But right. as far as I know, anyway, and I yeah. But anyway, that's just the way they did it. And I did think about going to Montreal to see it, but then I just decided against doing it. You know, it's just, it's expensive, of course. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But anyway, so I wanted to mention, you mentioned about charts and stuff and how I didn't reach, uh, what was it? Sorry, what did you say again, Jim, about being platinum or gold or something? I think it went platinum first time. I mean, I think it's gone four or five times platinum, obviously. Uh, but it went yeah. in the U.S. It went four and a half times. But in, uh, it, I think it was '86 when it finally went its first time platinum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, on this, uh, this some charts here. It has the peak position, and it was 1988 was its highest listing in the u.s billboard top 200 and it was number 120th and that was in 1988 five years after it was released and it has all these other countries listed here and it peaked most of them it was in the year in the 2000s like in wow. the finland and france and sweden it was 2004 that it peaked at its highest level and Switzerland was 2008 and Germany is 2016 when it peaked at the highest level. So, you know, as other albums come out, people say, Oh, I better go back and buy Kill 'em All, I guess. And yeah, but yes, it has gone, let's see, three times platinum in the United States and it went platinum in Canada and Australia and Argentina and Poland and then gold in a couple other countries. And of course, you know, as time goes by, people notice Metallica and they go out and buy it. Okay, so that's the album. Now we get to the hard part of the show. <laughs> As I guess I didn't mention this early in the podcast, did I? But so we always do a top 10 list, and sometimes it's the top 10 songs of the band, or maybe it's ranking their albums, or maybe it's picking the albums from the year that this was released. So we would have did 1983. But I suggested, I shouldn't have suggested it, but I did. I suggested we do the top 10 album top 10 thrash albums from the 1980s so from 1980 to 1989 but of course since thrash didn't start till 83 we get to knock off 1980 81 82 so it should be easy picking 10 albums out of seven years like how can that be hard <laughs> it was so here we go we're gonna do our top 10 thrash albums of the 1980s and i guess i'll let jim go first and start with your number 10 well, I mean, it was easier to name my two children than to do this. <laughs> I probably put, unfortunately, you know, I probably put a lot more thought into this. But anyhow, um, <laughs> number ten, I went with uh, Megadeth, Peace Cells. Uh, you know, an awesome album, and and I feel bad about putting it in ten, but my favorite Megadeth album was, uh, you know, it wasn't released till the '90s, so uh, you know, I, I'll go with that. And the original Megadeth, the first Megadeth album, was great. The production was kind of, you know, a little suspect on it, and then when they re redid it, they definitely made it a lot better. But that's my number ten. My number nine, I had to put a tie in the same band just because I couldn't. I couldn't do this. And that is Voivod. And I'm considering them at this point of their career, a thrash band, speed metal band, compared to maybe after Nothing Face when they became more of a sci-fi. And then the two albums with E-Force, Eric uh, Forrest singing, they went back to their thrash roots. And they're more now of a, maybe a science fiction prog band, but one of my favorite bands, the ties with War and Pain, which came out in 86, and Dimension Hatros, which is one of my favorite uh, Voivod albums of all time in 88. Uh, number eight, I went with Testament, The Legacy. I mean, phenomenal album. And again, another, these guys, Testament, you know, could be part of the big five. 
uh, you know, easy. Uh, that came out in 87. My seventh, uh, I went with uh, a little later of an album with Death Angel, The Ultraviolence, Love Death Angel. Act three released in the 90s was probably a more mature and better album. But this was another album that came out that was that was just so awesome then. Uh, number six, Metallica, Master of Puppets. I don't need to say anything there. Pro my third favorite Metallica album. So I'm giving away two of my picks. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's a perfect thrash album. Number five, you know, I'm going to go with Slayer, Rain and Blood. Awesome, awesome album as well that was released in 86. Um, number four, I go with Creator, Extreme Aggression. I had trouble because I wanted to put so many of my favorite bands in there. And I just, you know, I kept running out of, because I've put a couple of bands in here twice. But this was, I mean, there was a couple of pre- creator albums that are great like with pleasure to kill on that but um this one here i thought was a really great example of a great thrash album number three is ride the lightning metallica number two my favorite slayer album of all time south of heaven i like it just a little bit i mean we're talking points of points here these are all tens for me uh, i love that album and obviously my first one is kill them all from metallica so that's my top 10 in a nutshell <laughs> Okay, Ken, I'll let you go now then. All righty. So <clears throat> kicking off number 10 for me is Violence, Eternal Nightmare. Um, nice. I, I love the vocals in that album. It's killer, killer stuff. Um, yeah, Rob Flynn, all the guys in the band, that, that's, a, that's a really, really strong album. Uh, number nine for me is Destruction's release, for, release, uh, uh, release from Agony. Um, I like this album a lot. It's a bit more mature for them. It's not as crazy as eternal devastation um but i i like the i like the maturity that they they put out in that album uh then i'm gonna number eight i have testament to legacy again there's not much to say about that that's just pure that's a pure classic pure thrash band um number seven i have exodus bonded by blood i know blake and i just did a did a podcast on that earlier great album i still I, it's pretty strong for the time uh, then at number six, I have Megadeth P-Cells, you know, not much to say about that. It's pretty much, you know, it's a classic, it's starting start to flash genre. Uh, number five, I did, I do have Death Angel at number five, The Ultra Violence. I, I love right, that album. Right. It's, it's a good, it's, it's one of those albums that's really relentless for like these teenagers, you know, yep. Filipino teenagers. And yeah, I, I, it's a great album. Uh, number four, I have Slayer's Rain and Blood. Again, that's just another killer 20 22 minute or 20 whatever minutes album that you can't go wrong on i know you're not a fan of that blake but <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? um number number three for me i have master of puppets um i love that album it's metallica's it's one of my favorite albums for the band uh number two it's going to be anthrax among the living which is practically my favorite thrash album of all time for me nice and and, and of course number one uh, metallica's kill them all Hmm. <laughs> okay. Good list, man. Good list, man. I love the fact you had Death, Death Angel. And you know what? And not yeah. to interrupt, sorry, but that destruct. I'm sitting there arguing over. <laughs> I got to put a destruction in there. I got to put a tankard in there. And it's That's just hard. driving it again. This was hard. <laughs> very much so. It's very hard. <laughs> well, you can mention your honorable mentions after I do mine. If there's any that haven't been mentioned, I guess, or you can say what's on your list. But okay. So for me, number 10, I got Death Angel, the ultraviolence. So it was nice mm -hmm. to see that you both had Death Angel on there too, because I wasn't sure if you would or not. But yeah, I love that album. And they were just teenagers when they did that one. And Kill Us One is one of my favorite songs <laughs> ever. It's the whiplash of Death Angel. <laughs> yeah. uh, number nine, I have Slayer, not Rain and Blood, but Show No Mercy, because it's my favorite Slayer album. It's their first album. That's the first album of Slayer I heard. So maybe it's nostalgia reasons that that's my favorite Slayer album. Number eight is Megadeth P Cells. Number seven, I have Kill 'em All. Mine's a little lower than you had Kill 'em All at. Number six, I have Anthrax Among the Living. Number five, I have Testament, but I don't have the one that you picked. I have Practice What You Preach from 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I did. I did consider the new order also, and I guess the legacy too. Even though I don't have that written down, I must have maybe forgot about that one. But <laughs> but that's her debut, right? But mm-hmm. anyway, I really like practice what you preach. Number four. Neither one of you mentioned this group, so I'm surprised. I guess that I have them and you didn't. But I have Overkill with Years of Decay from awesome. 1989. Yeah, that's a good album. Awesome. Album. But those from four to ten, you know, I could probably mix them up in different orders every day. But my yeah. top three are pretty much my top three. So number three, I have Exodus, Bonded by Blood. Mm-hmm. And I think the top two, I guess you could probably guess. <laughs> number two is Master of Puppets, 86. And number one is Ride the Lightning, 1984. There you go. So that yes, and that was hard because I had I'll mention some of my honorable mentions. I had I had tankered chemical invasion. I wanted to put that on there because I love that song, Chemical Invasion. But I just didn't think uh, I don't think the whole album can fit above some of these other ones. And I mentioned Testament and even at Anthrax spreading the disease. And then I had some Canadian ones. I had Exciters, Heavy Metal Maniac, Violence and Force. I wanted to get on there. Sacrifice for Determination, Annihilators, Alice in Hell. Yeah, that's a good one. That is. And a good then one. I had Slayer, South of Heaven, also, and I also had Exodus's Fabulous Disaster, which yeah. I also love that album. But yeah, I just couldn't get them on there. Any honorable mentions that haven't been mentioned by somebody? Well, else? I had uh, I I as well had Annihilator, Alice in Hell. Like, I love Anthrax, Among the Living. I remember buying the cassette, and I love Pistol as well. Those two albums are awesome. I like Neil Turbin on the first album. It's pretty cool. Bonded by Blood by Exodus. One of my honorable mentions, I really like Razor. So Violent Restitution was another uh, album, but I like Evil Invaders. I I mean, Malicious Intent. There are some great albums there. Um, And I saw it on my uh, Agent Orange was like a really, really great album. But same thing, I, I just couldn't bump anybody off for that. And it uh, and then Tanker, you know, Tanker Chemical and Pace, that was that's an amazing album. And we should have done top 50. You know, we should have <laughs> let this go an hour and a half. We do top 50 and we just keep going. That's what I, I think we should have done. <laughs> and, and Ken, did you have any other ones that maybe weren't mentioned or anything? Uh, Dark Angels, Darkness Descends. That's a really good album. I'm, I, I like it a lot. I hum and haw about having it on the list. Um, also, yeah, I would have put Practice What You Preach as well, because that's probably the other Testament album that I really like. I'm like yourself. It's the first album I heard from Testament was actually Practice What You Preach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more, it's got a bit of a more of a commercial sound because they slowed the style down, but I like that album quite a bit. Um, yeah, Tankard as well. That that's that's always a really good choice for a thrash band. Of course, Creators' Pleasure to Kill. I wouldn't want want that on my list, but I just couldn't seem to uh, yeah. find a spot for it. Well, it does tell you like how big thrash got when we're only talking about seven years of albums, and we have so many. Like we could have both easily, or three of us could have easily had a top twenty easily. And we would have still had some groups that were a little different because I didn't have like Violence or Dark Angel or a few that you mentioned and Creator. I didn't have Creator or whatever. Or even Forbidden. Forbidden wasn't even mentioned. Yes. Yes. Great and, you know? So, yeah. So, there's so much. So, this this year, like Kill Em All and then Show No Mercy and the Exciter album really did open the doors for so much thrash. And there was even groups that are like, are they thrash or not? Like, because I even asked yeah. you guys, I don't can't I can't remember if this would be thrash or not. Because Metallica toured on this album with Raven, and Raven is they had an album because they did the All for what was it called? All for yeah. I forget now what the tour was called. The album was called All for One, but oh, it was called Kill Em All for One tour. They toured together with Metallica. So I thought I don't think Raven was thrash. It was kind of weird that they toured together, but of course there wasn't any other thrash bands except. Slayer and Exciter <laughs> to tour with at that time. So does anybody? Oh, here we can talk about. You mentioned Jim about new metal and stuff like that, but uh, well, so you're not a fan, obviously, too much of the newer stuff. Well, I I I gave it like if I was to review, I wouldn't review the new Metallica album because I would I have too much respect for Metallica that I wouldn't want to give them an under eight, and in good conscience. I just can't. I, 
the, the nice part of me would give them a seven, but it's like a five. I mean, and I don't want to insult anybody. I tried. I bought the album. I think I've got two copies of it just because like I buy all metallic albums regardless because I, I, I want to complete my, my uh, catalog and that. But, you know, this album came out. Nobody knew it was really coming out. Boom, it just came out. Then they released the tour like a couple days later after they released Lux Turner. I tried so hard. And when, I, when I'm trying to make myself like an album, I think that at that point, I really don't like the album. So it really bothers me that, that I have to say this. I thought the album had about four or five really good songs that I, I could get into, but then there was, it was too long. I found it was maybe over bloated. I like shorter albums. I like not necessarily shorter songs. I like albums with no more than maybe nine or 10. And if you're going to go into an extra version of it let's throw some live tracks on there you know this would have been better as a 10 album song uh 10 song album and throw just throw two maybe never released live recordings on it from whatever you wanted just to give it that bonus and i think it would have been a lot better but in saying that too i mean the black album they kind of you know the black album came out it was great i obviously love metallica but you know i found they went to a little too mainstream and as being that i like them being a little more underground, even though like after Master and Puppets, they blew up, but they still didn't have videos. Uh, you know, well, they had, you know, when they did one in that and they only had the one video. And I like that. I like that sort of feel that this was special for us thrash metalheads who really liked it. And then, you know, I think if they had released maybe Death Magnetic, something similar to that, instead of going into the load, and, and I'm not trashing load, load is a couple of, of good, okay songs on it, but I, you know, I remember buying a load and driving in my car and thinking it was a, like a Ford Escort back then. And I'm thinking, what the <laughs> hell is this? You know, and I'm, again, and I'm just confused. If they would have came out with maybe Death Magnetic after that, I probably, probably would have funneled a bit easier for me, but I still buy all their albums and I, I do listen to them, but I got to admit the latest album was a little bit of a disappointment for me. And Ken, what about you? Do you listen to the new album much? Uh, yeah, I, I have it. I, I'm, I'm like Jim. I, I, I buy all, I buy all Metallica's albums when they come out. So, the last three albums are are a mixed bag. There are things I like about all three of the last yeah. albums that they've done. Um, but I agree, Jim. I think the trouble with Metallica is that they have, they're, they're, they have very like lofty ambitions, and yes, I wish yes. they would just pull back a bit and just give us a short song that's quick and right to the point. Like Lux Turner, I like the song. If, if there were more songs like that on the album, I would like yeah. it more. But this overbloated, like, we got to cram all these musical ideas into a song, that, that's not Metallica. They never they never used to be that kind of band. And now that's what they've morphed into, which is fine. And I I don't mind the new stuff. It's okay, but it's it's not going to knock my socks off for any reason. Death Magnet, Death Magnetic, same thing. Like it has a couple of really good songs yeah. um, that I don't mind. Um, even Hardwired, the the opening song, I love the opening song. It's 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 so great, and I'm like, why don't they have more songs like this on the album? I just wish they'd pull back. They they remind me of Iron Maiden a bit because Maiden's the same. They they just these over bloated long eight nine ten minute songs. I'm like, I, why? Why do you need them? I just I don't know. But that's that's just my little beef about Metallica. I, mean, I I still dig their stuff, but I just wish they'd pull back on pull back on the reins a little bit. But they don't. It's not like they have a producer now because they they do their own shit. They they don't need a producer. They just do right. what they want to do. You know, they're bigger than life now. They don't have a they don't have a record label. They got their own record label. They don't need to hire a producer. <laughs> they just basically need someone there just to kind of like you know flip the knobs, record the music, and then they just the way they go. And that's Metallica. Yeah, it's it's funny too. Just to kind of interject, I agree. And you know, Lux of Turner came out on the same day Scorched by Overkill came out. And I mean, yeah. I got to be honest. I listened to Scorched from Overkill, blew my mind. And yeah. I'm like, this is what I want. And and when, on chat groups and whatever, if if I if I say, you know, there's a lot of hate out there for people who are purists, where they say, well, you know you're old, you like old metal. And I don't want them to go back and redo Kill Em All. What I want them to do is just focus and get that essence back of what made them so special on the first four, even five albums. And that that's yeah. what I want as a fan. And and it sounds, you know, Kenneth, 
same thing. I agree. Like all those three albums, they had enough good material on all three to make one slamming album, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. 100% I agree with you. And yeah, and I also agree the Lux Eterna. I love, did love that song when I first heard it and I would play it in my car over and over again because I didn't really like many of the other songs that well mm-hmm. <laughs> on it. But that song, yeah, if they would have had 10 Lux Eternas on it, that'd be a great album. Oh, but I'm not kidding. The One of the problems I think with Metallica is that they have Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets and they can't do that again <laughs> so yeah. like say we had no metallica albums and this metallica album came out and loxy turn is the first time we ever heard metallica we might be more excited and we might take True. the album in better and think oh this True. is a great yeah. album but since we have all this other stuff to compare it to it doesn't compare to it so you know then we don't really like it that much but that's the same with like you say iron maiden like maybe if iron maiden didn't have whatever how many albums they had and then they released that album jiu-jitsu or whatever maybe people would like it better because they didn't have all these number of the beast or power slave to compare it to but yeah that's life and music right totally. anyway so i think that was a good show i like the top 10 list that was interesting and hard and well it's not my fault ken said he wanted to do that i just kind of put it out there and he's oh, it's really, <laughs> it's really i just thought it made more sense blake i, I figured <laughs> If we're we're talking about the thrash engine, why not yeah. just do do albums that came afterwards just to compare like Metallica to what we yes. in the genre, right? Yes, it was good. good. Like you said, a lot of good shit come up. I'm sure if we did the 1983, just did 1983, mm-hmm. probably I don't know for me, probably the three like probably Metallica, Slayer, and Exciter probably would have been at the top of my list. I'd have to go back and see what else came out in '83. Now a lot about thrash. I know a piece of mind, I guess, came out in 83. So that was okay. high up there too, I guess. But anyway, so anyway, it was a good show. Thanks guys for joining me. No problem. Thanks a lot. Happy to yeah. be part. So much fun. Okay. Yeah, and absolutely. again, check us out on our website, www.themetalpit.org. And thanks for listening and see you next week. Goodbye.